Welcome to Curious About Nature podcast. This week's guest is Rochelle Patel, who's a freelance content creator and travel vlogger. Hi there, Rochelle. Hey, Rochelle. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So we know each other through Buttercup Learning, but could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background? I graduated university in 2019, and then I went on to do a little bit of traveling, and then obviously the pandemic hit, so that kind of ate up a few years of my life and then it brought me to 2022 so since then i've been doing the odd job but then i've focused more in freelance work as the time has gone on so have you always been interested in traveling yes so i guess from an early age my granddad inspired a lot of travel wanderlust i guess in me from stories in africa stories in india so i think part of my love of travel comes from that but also i think just wanting to explore the world and see the world yeah so You've been very open on social media and YouTube about your life and mental health struggles. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so it ties back into my experience with traveling and why I have such a fond love of traveling. So my granddad passed away in 2011. When I went to university, I struggled quite a lot and I realized my first year that I had depression and I had anxiety, but they were things that I had been struggling with, I'd say, since I was a child but they didn't become prevalent until i was about 13 where i started to really notice it and now look back and i realized that there was a lot of symptoms that i didn't know at the time what it was and then doing a degree and doing an a-level in psychology i started to realize and put two and two together i started to understand what i'd been struggling with and put a name to it which was nice in a way but also obviously not the greatest but it was finally nice to know what was wrong with me not that there's anything wrong with it but just understand it a little bit better. And I think in my culture, I'm from an Indian family. So in our culture, it's not really talked about. And growing up, we weren't really expressing how we felt and talking about how we felt. And I think that transitioned into my adulthood. So I find it quite tough to talk about it and look for help and speak to people about it, because obviously there was that lack of understanding, lack of education, lack of knowledge and I guess a fear of talking about things like that. So I think one of my main goals with wanting to be so open about it was to help people who were like me. I think it all started with people from cultures similar to mine where mental health has a kind of stigma and wanting to break down those stigmas. But I realized there was a lot of men that didn't seek help. That kind of combination really spurred me to start talking about it openly. And I think also university wasn't what I expected. I ended up going through clearing which meant I didn't get my first choice, even though I ended up doing better than the grades that were required. So it was a little bit of a turmoil. I didn't panic choosing a university and then not having the experience that all the brochures and all the online sites and everyone else tends to have. It wasn't the picturesque university experience for me. And I think a lot of people, I think I started to notice, didn't have that. And it's very common to not have the university experience. But when you have these really high expectations, and then you also are dealing with a lot of other stuff. It creates a perfect storm for a lot of stuff to come out. I think from then dealing with all that stuff, I felt like it was only right for me to use my experience and help someone who may be a 13 year old me somewhere else in the world that might have been going through a similar thing. And if I could potentially help someone else, then my experience was quite worth it in the end. Yeah. So you wanted something to come from. Yeah, definitely. How do you look after yourself and your well-being then since that? What have you done? 
to support yourself. Taking breaks and going on walks, going out, exercising, all of those things work. But I think it just becomes a try everything until you find something that sticks. So for me, it tends to be going out on walks when I'm feeling really frustrated, taking yourself out of situations thinking of what the worst situation could be in that scenario often makes me feel better. And I, my coping mechanisms have changed more so from physical things to more explanatory things. After the pandemic, I've had a shift in my attitudes and my morals and where I want to go with my life. And I look at things when I'm stressed or anxious. And I just think at the end of the day, we all die, which I know is quite morbid. But sometimes if I forget to take my bag, let's say, for example, and that's something I get stressed about, it's not the end of the world. And I just try and think of the worst case situation, but then also remind myself that life is just going to happen. And these little things are just part of life. And in the grand scheme of things, a lot of these things don't matter. So there isn't any point heightening it to a level where it's going to hurt you. And I think that's really helped me because I've just let go of a lot of things and a lot of worries. So I think that is my coping mechanism. So how does traveling make you feel? Very small. So I went to Iceland earlier this year and seeing all the volcanoes and seeing all the cascading mountains, like rock formations, waterfalls, you feel so in insignificant and so small compared to all of these things. It just reminds you that a lot of these things in the world are so humongous that you are just a, a tiny, tiny speck. So when I travel, I pluck myself out of my current situation and I'm able to throw myself into a different situation and nobody knows me. I have no stress and I just get to immerse myself. I think sometimes it feels like you can switch off a part of your brain that houses the, the struggles that you're dealing with. Part of why I'm a big fan of solo traveling and I'm a big advocate for solo traveling and I started to do that in my first year of university because I was struggling with going out and being around crowds and doing stuff on my own. I started to notice that I was quite reliant on a lot of people and I didn't like that. So I decided to go to Amsterdam, which was my first solo trip. And I went for a week and that was great because I realized that there was no obligation to anyone else. There was no waiting around to pick where we could stay or what we could eat or where they wanted to go and visit whatever it was. And I think I love going away so much is because I get to spend time with myself and that's not the greatest for someone who struggles with mental health problems. But I, for me, I found that it gives me a chance to know myself better. And I think a lot of growing up, I had a lot of self-hatred towards myself and a lot of people put me down quite a lot. So I had a lot of in internal doubt about myself and my abilities. So I think one thing that Solo Traveler has really done is show that I can be around people. I can control my own time. I'm quite confident. I'm really good at time management. I'm good at planning. I'm very open. I'm friendly. And it's fought against stuff I've been taught about myself and has allowed me to look at situations and realize how open I am. And it's also taught me a lot about the world and politics and different ways of life. It's made me a very well-rounded person overall. And I don't think it would be the person I am today if it wasn't for those experiences. And I think that's why I have such a fondness of solo traveling because it's taught me a lot about myself. And now I just love going away on my own because I have no commitment to anyone else. And also I just get to do what I want to do and spend more time with myself. And I realize how powerful it is, even just going to the cinema, going to eat out on your own, shop on your own, 
and how many people look at things like that and turn their nose up or how many people look at that and go that's a bit weird but actually if you can sit with yourself and be able to be happy with yourself and be comfortable with yourself i think that's one of the strongest skills you can have and i'm quite proud of that so obviously travel is been a real fundamental thing in your life have there been any favorite experiences that you want to share there are fun experiences which have also been traumatic when i went to bangkok we got in a very sticky situation where we got scammed but it was quite a dangerous situation me and my friend thought something was going to happen to us and we wouldn't have made it out there but now looking back at it it's just an experience i think we'll never forget because we got out of it it's a story to tell and we know we'll never do that again so there was that there was also the time in Vietnam where I had a bike accident and I think it went with my attitudes where I think we're all here for a certain amount of time. And when I had the accident, everything came crashing down and I was like, I could have died today. And I think that point solidified my thoughts and my want and my desire to just take each day as it comes and just enjoy myself. Some of my favorite experiences have been this year when I went to New York. I love telling everyone about it because I've wanted to go since I was a child and booked it in 2020, but obviously other factors were in play and I had to cancel it. And then I eventually got to go earlier this year and it was the best week of my life because I had built it up for so long and had such high expectations. But I think just that whole week is one really good memory that I think just combines into one. There are like little sprinkles each time I go away. When I went to Iceland, we went to this waterfall and it was about golden hour and we went at the back of it. We all got soaked and the sun was beaming through, the rainbow was coming through and me and my cousin and my uncle and my aunt also, we are so glad we stopped because it's something we're never going to forget because the joy in that moment, I don't think anyone else could take away ever. It was just pure happiness and pure thrill, pure laughter and I think as I've got older, sharing moments like that has been really important to me. So having that and knowing that everyone felt the same way as well, I think it adds a little bit more power to that memory because I think everyone shares and has the emotional factor attached. So I think every time I go away, there is something noteworthy or something dangerous or something a little bit scary. But I think those are the, dare I say, the best things take away it sounds like you've been to quite a few different countries there have you got any tips for first-time travelers yes i used to be quite a stringent planner since my southeast asia trip and again pandemic has taught me just to let go and just let everything else be decided you can only control so much when i go back and finish my trip i'm just gonna book my flight out there and then just leave it and then book as I go. Try and not book as much because that's when the best plans end up happening. So I guess my advice would be just be open because that again is the best way to be. And also it leads to the best experiences because you meet people that you wouldn't potentially meet if you were a little bit more closed-minded. Try the food, try different things, put yourself out of your comfort zone do things that you're a little bit scared of, but also just be free, be open, be respectful and engage with different communities. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to try and immerse yourself as much as you can. You get to do the touristy things, but you also get to see what kind of way of life 
people there have and obviously it's not feasible for everybody but even taking a week in one destination two weeks in one destination is an example of slow travel because you are immersing yourself to an extent in them but also eat at local restaurants learn the language even little bits i went to denmark earlier this year and we, we tried to learn a little bit of danish we tried to order stuff in danish so they appreciated it and oftentimes it ends up being where people want to talk to you if you're trying because they know that you're open and when we went out for dinner in Denmark we asked a lady about bars and things like that and she came back with a whole list and again another memory I had from Denmark was we were in Aarhus and we went to this club and there was a girl outside and they were in a group and I had English so I was like okay we'll go over and I said to the, one of the girls, where's good to go out here? And she was like, oh, you're from England. And then she just grabbed both of our hands and we went out on a night out. Being open, I think that's the best thing you can do because if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have ended up going home at about five in the morning. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? By being open to things happening, you have a much better experience, definitely. Yeah. So what's on your list of places to visit? So I want to go back and finish Southeast Asia because obviously I had to come home because of the pandemic. So I want to go back to Bali. I want to finish Thailand because I didn't get to do scuba diving and things like that, which were at the end of my trip and get my license. I also want to do the Philippines. I also want to do South America. So there's quite a lot of the world that I still want to see. But I think as I've now learned, I'd like to do, for example, if I were to do South America, I'd quite like to do a year and then volunteer mm -hmm. in different places. So anything like that, because that will allow me to be there for longer and oftentimes have my accommodation costs covered and give back as well. But also go back to that slow travel and also be able to give back to the communities and help out. And oftentimes I've, feel like traveling is great but we are using the world's resources if you can give back while you're there it makes that blunder a little less painful obviously with the way the world is heading a lot of the time it feels like traveling is great but obviously you have to deal with the carbon emissions you have to deal with the waste you add when you go there the carbon footprint you you amass when you take a holiday so if you can go to place and just fly out and spend as long as you can there and then come back you're just having two flights you've got the time to slowly do that and you're more conscious about what you're putting out there and your footprint so i think that's where my attitude have shifted to more so over the last few years specifically and obviously it's not an option for everyone but not everyone can get off work for that long but even if small holidays you do and you decide to take a train in between locations or take public transport mm -hmm. they all help and as long as you're doing what you can i think that's also important you've talked a lot about nature there and experiences within nature and thinking about your environmental impact when traveling what actions are you taking maybe in your daily life or when you travel to connect with nature so in my daily life i think it's more a case of just trying to get outside if nothing else even in my garden we've had bats we've had baby hedgehogs we've had birds we've had moles we've had rats <laughs> So it's been a huge ecosystem. Growing up, I wasn't a big fan of animals. So when I can now, I try my best to make my environment more suitable for them. When I go away in terms of environmental impact and nature and things like that, I've been more aware of where I'm putting my money, but also little things like traveling with a metal straw 
traveling with reusable bags, just having one with you all the time. I have a plastic set up at the room that I can use. Traveling with bars of soap and things like that because it works great for weight limits, but also you're not dealing with a plastic water bottle. So anywhere where I can reduce my impact, I always try and offset my flights as much as I can. If there's the option available, public transport, because one, it often tends to be really cheap. Second of all, I always really like seeing what kind of public transport every other country has, but also it, it does the job and it gets you there for a fraction of the cost. And you get to, again, embrace the lifestyle and put yourself in their feet and see what life is like. So trains, buses, coaches, anything like that I can do and avoid taking a plane. If that's not an option, I will take a flight then do my best to offset the flights. I'm just a little bit conscious about making little tweaks. I've switched from plastic toothbrushes to disposable, recyclable heads. I have bamboo toothbrushes for when I go away. I've also changed my deodorant. So I now have natural deodorant, which is refillable. I've made a lot of little changes, which I hope will amass to being a good amount of change. And I'm trying to do my best wherever I can without rising everything. Yeah, I think that's the right way to do things, isn't it? Because then you don't feel like you're missing out mm. and you're still having a positive impact and you're more likely to keep it up as well. Yeah. Whereas sometimes you make a change and if it's too drastic, you don't necessarily stick at it. But all those little changes are accumulative they're going to build up to such a big positive change overall yeah yeah and if more people do those things that you're suggesting then that impact becomes bigger and greater so i think that's really good advice because you know traveling can have its impact but if you can like you were suggesting be involved in the local economy the local culture supporting through ecotourism rather than going and using resources without thinking about the impact you have, you can then start to have a positive impact on people who live in different parts of the world. Yeah, yeah sure. that sounds really great. So you mentioned there a little bit about environmental nature resources. Just coming full circle again to your sort of comments about well-being, are there any resources you would recommend that people go and watch, listen, read? A lot of my early resources tended to be YouTube videos where I tried to find stuff that I was experiencing in someone else's video to latch onto and trying to help me verbalize and explain my situation to myself. There are a lot of good TV shows on that deal with mental health. There was a documentary by Roman Kemp earlier this year where his friend unfortunately took his own life. It was a documentary exploring men's mental health and the response to that. So I think that's quite a hard watch, but I think there are more documentaries coming out like that, which have been important especially for me because they deal with men's mental health. And I think that's something that's quite often overlooked. Reducing the stigma and taking away that men don't cry is super important. So I'd say my main forms were from media. I think for me personally, they've been the best way I've been able to understand my own situation and work through my own situation. But I also think conversations, I think a lot of the time are more impactful because I think each person is different. And I think allowing conversations and fostering conversations is the best way to have resources created because you're then able to create for that individual person. I can't stress enough how important it is for parents to allow that conversation and allow an environment that is 
positive and create a safe space. I saw Kirsty's episode last month and she talked about how all you can do is let your child get on with it and just be there and create a safe space. And from my experience, a safe space for me was created, but it wasn't a safe space in terms of emotional vulnerability and conversation. And I think if I could go back to being a child again, that's what I would want from my parents. And I think parents can help their children by Googling, researching and watching these things for themselves because they'll understand and then they're able to approach the child about these kind of conversations and see if they are struggling, open up a door to have a conversation. I think sometimes it feels quite intimidating for children because it's such a huge thing. I think mind is really great as well for helping break down and understand and explain. I think it all just starts with a conversation, to be honest. People just need to talk. And I think that's one of the main things I took away from my experience is if people allow conversations and allow safe spaces, I think it will do a world of good in the long run. Yeah, I think we need to do that in our families, our workplaces, with our friends, don't we? Uh, Mind is definitely a good one. And uh, as a university lecturer, I've used their materials a lot as a starting point to open up conversations with students that I can see are struggling. Mm. And unfortunately, over the last 10 years, I've seen that number rise. And part of it, hopefully, is because we're talking about it. I do think we also need to see a lot more support happening in NHS services in the UK to be able to get people who need the help quick, get the help quicker, really. Definitely. What's next for you? I think I'm just going with wherever my life takes me. I think I have a rough idea. I do want to travel a lot more. I want to also do the slower travel. I want to volunteer. To be honest, I think I don't really like setting myself onto one thing. I get bored quite easily, so I like to keep it fresh. I like to keep it exciting. So I think if you can do everything, why not? Because we're not here for a very long time. Just do it and just see what sticks and just do what you enjoy. Thank you so much for this morning's podcast, Michelle. That was really interesting to hear about your journey. And if people want to make contact with you to either hire you as a virtual assistant content producer how can they reach you my instagram is the best way to contact me because then you can email me i can give you my details so my instagram is rochelle.patel31 it'll be linked down below thank you very much again and we'll speak soon thanks rachel thanks